you. Welcome to this week's episode or bonus episode of Backstage with Simple Church Podcast. That's right. You might not notice that voice, but it's not Scott. It's not. A little friendlier. Yeah, a little peppier, a little higher. That's right. But it is Robin Horton, our do-good pastor, and you sat in today to talk about the vaccine day we're having at Simple Church on August the 22nd. Some people probably just clicked off right now, don't want to listen, don't care. (laughs) But if you will stick around, we really do appreciate it because we want to have a conversation with medical professionals, people Mm -hmm. in Shreveport, Bossier area that, as far as we know, are not deep state agents that are working and have an agenda. They are people in Simple Church and people in the community that help and care and and want to talk about what's going on right now. And we just want to inform and try to help to answer some questions that you might have or friends or somebody you can send this to. Yes, absolutely. And I love what you're going to hear today is from you know, a, a Jesus follower perspective, and, and they've got a lot of great information for you to help you really solve problems. It's been a problem for a lot of people just knowing what's the right thing, who do I believe, what's the um, correct information out there. So I'm so thankful for these women who uh, really love their community and just want to help us solve some problems. Absolutely. So thanks for listening. Download and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Get to every episode. Like this one was on Sunday morning. You never know when one might pop up mm-hmm. in your feed. So make sure you subscribe and get that. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe, like our channel. You can watch the video version. Just hit 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is awesome. Some of you guys really enjoy that. So make sure you do that and enjoy this conversation. So, Robin, I didn't tell you this not being here, but typically Scott makes the scream, and Justin does. I don't know if you've listened to, heard I that. Have. That was your job. You missed it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's n- typically not me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Backstage with the Simple Church Podcast. It is a different episode. Yeah. Some might say better. Mm. Uh, Scott's not here. He probably won't listen. He's not here even. So we don't have to say that to Scott. Yeah. You we are won't tell him. Filling in for Scott Odom, Robin Horton, our do good mm-hmm. pastor. Thanks for being here today. I'm excited to be here. I thank Scott for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. Because we're talking about some fun stuff today. We <laughs> it's are. A different episode. Episode than usual. Yes. And we are going to go and talk to people who are way more qualified than mm-hmm. me, especially a little bit more than you. And yes, but and uh, me too. Thanks for the people in the room today. So on August the 22nd, we are doing a vaccination day at Simple Church. And mm-hmm. Justin had talked about this idea and had the vision of coming and trying to answer questions. Because I don't know if you've heard this, Robin. It's a little bit of a contentious issue sometimes. I've heard. Yeah. I've heard. Yes. Some of that. So we yeah. brought in two very smart people who can speak to it way better than us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking for that other smart person. <laughs> Me too. Are they in the room somewhere? If you're watching on video, you can see them. We're going to give them a chance to introduce themselves. So Amy, if you'll go first, just tell us who you are, what you do. Okay. Um, my name is Amy Smiley Sandifer. I'm a women's health nurse practitioner at Oshner's. Um, I've been in medicine now for almost 20 years and of course, with this new uh, pandemic, it's all new, uh, learning new stuff every day. I always like to educate myself, so I'm hoping that we can learn a little bit about COVID and the COVID vaccine today and, and really in perspective to women's health. And I think you've learned a lot about it, and you have definitely yes. you brought in a packet of papers. If they're watching <laughs> on video, they can see here in a minute. You're prepared. I am prepared. Educated and ready to answer some questions yes. that people had. We appreciate you coming on. Sherry, how about you? Tell us about you. What do you do? Well, I'm just throwing down the gauntlet now with a packet of papers. That's I'm a little bit intimidated. <laughs> Did you see it? It's a lot of papers. <laughs> no, I'm really glad I didn't. Thank I'm a digital person. Encouragement. <laughs> I don't Thank like you. paper. She's all about no, it. I, I'm, I'm a printout person. So. <laughs> Get your um, lighter. My name is Sherry Hagriom. I am the critical care nurse educator for Willis Knight and Medical. Center. I have worked in critical care, 
gosh, 32 years, um, nothing but critical care the entire time, uh, cardiac, surgical ICU, infectious disease ICU, MICU, wherever. And so um, have essentially lived COVID pandemic since it started mm. um, without much time off or time away. And um, so uh, vaccines are a big deal where we are right now. And uh, vaccines greatly impact uh, what's going on with us right now. So that's a, I have my uh, critical care nurse certification and teach and train and work and do bedside and whatever, whatever I need to do. There you go. So let's start with you. Let's go back to the pandemic beginning. If you just kind of walk through of that first initial phase and what that was like, <coughs> you have a unique perspective that most people wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And I know this might shock you too, but sometimes people just mouth off and say things not knowing what it's really like having to take care of people in the hospital. And oh, you're someone that's actually doing that. <laughs> so just talk about the beginning of the pandemic and what that was like and your experience in that. Um, the week before Louisiana shut down. I uh, took an extra couple days off and met the rest of my family who was out for spring break and they were in um, Breckenridge skiing. And so I went up and met them for like a couple days. But the entire time I was there, I was corresponding with one of our physicians who was watching some of the numbers and we were looking at X, Y, Z. And by the end of the trip, um, we, it was literally a, you need to get on your flight before they TSA shuts down things. So it, it evolved so quickly. So of course I flew home and came back to work on Monday morning and it was like the world turned over. Um, at Wills Night North, we have multiple ICU areas. And um, so first it was this ICU, then it was that ICU, and we added this became a COVID area, and this became a COVID area, and all the PPE talk that went on. And suddenly the whole world I'm accustomed to looking at changed, and everybody's in face masks and shields and gowns and that part of us that likes a human touch, that likes to hold the hand, I, I hate to hold a patient's hand with a glove on because I feel like I'm, I, mm-hmm. it feels impersonal. And all those things changed. And you're looking at nurses um, who behind their face shields, there's little tears because they have children at home with their babies and or they're pregnant. Right. And they were scared to death. And doctors were scared. And everybody's trying to figure everything out from the very beginning. And patients are coming at such a pace that it just started to escalate that, um, I can remember an agency contract nurse came and he was taking a contract to work in our uh, one of our ICU areas. And I was getting him settled in and we'll make sure all your access works and we're going to do this. And, I, and he's got lots of experience. And we walked up to the door and the doors opened and he looked down this thing with the ventilators and the lines and the stuff he sees on a routine basis, but everything with COVID. And I just heard him um, whisper under his breath behind me, Oh, dear Jesus, help us all. Mm. And just Mm. totally reshifting employees everywhere and shutting down cases and beds. So that was the beginning for us. And and there's days it got better and there's days it's worse. Yeah. Mm. So that was spring 2020. Mm -hmm. And then now we were just talking before this started. You made the statement, which is pretty strong, that you feel like it's gotten worse in Shreveport-Bossier. And so... Again, this is an issue that if you're listening to this podcast, you're at least giving it a chance. We do want to just talk to people that know what's going on, that are actually educated, that are living it. And I just wanted to hear from you what your perspective is being in the hospital locally in Shreveport, Bossier, what you know today. This is July the 30th, 2021. What is the status of COVID in Shreveport, Bossier? Um, it's very, you know, I don't, I, I, I want to have fun. It's a good, <laughs> it's a great thing, but it's, a significant problem. And, you know, I sat with my husband last night. He's a minister here in town. And um, so many things have been politicized or which side of the 
the aisle you want to sit on and believe. And there's everything from conspiracy theorists to anti-vaxxers to, you know, hide behind a wall and jab everybody as they walk by. I mean, there's every <laughs> gamut that's out there. But today, um, a few things. Yeah, you know, we've had surge one, two, three, which we were we were all in the zone anyway. You surge one, mm-hmm. two, three. You know, we have a surge. It wanes down a little bit. Whoo, we got a breather. We surge again. Hey, we got a breather. We're you're exhausted. You're tired. Throw in the middle of that little ice gig that we had there for a week. That was yeah. no fun. And so, um, which Simple Church came and fed us, which was great. Um, and, and you kind of survived through those. And then. All of a sudden, it's the summer, and I, I can remember watching something that was going to be an in, Fourth of July this summer deal, and we're finally celebrating freedom from the pandemic, freedom from masks, freedom from everything. And you, there's this hint that maybe we're getting back to normal, mm-hmm. you know, and less mask and less this and less that. And then all of a sudden, this variant thing happened, and. I truly think that most people at the very beginning, and, and I would say most people, and I would include some healthcare professionals in this, oh, this is the elderly, obese, multiple other health problems. That's who's getting it. Not that those people aren't valuable and worthy in the eyes of God, but that's who's getting it. And so that's understandable. Those are the people that are sick, which wasn't necessarily true anyway. But um, now, especially right now, the average person is between 20 and 40 or 20 and 50 years old. A lot of them Caucasian, uh, probably 60, 40 mix, according to demographics. You can look through across the state. With, and, you know, there's other nationalities and uh, demographics there, but that's the general rule. 20 to 40, not a lot of significant comorbidities. The occasional guy that has sleep apnea or the occasional person that has some minor issue, you know, and you had people that go, oh, I don't have diabetes, I don't have to worry about it, or I'm not obese, I don't have to worry about it, or I'm not hypertensive, or I'm not this. These are people who went to work and came home and they're sick as a dog and they're in our ICU now, and they're 31 years old, and they're 26 years old, and they're 35 years old, and they've got 10-year-olds at home, and they've got 9-year-olds at home, or they just had a baby, and they got transferred to us because somebody else is taking care of their baby while they're in the hospital. And it's just, number one, the fact that it came back with such a vengeance has just taken the wind out of our sails. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that to be a dabby downer, and I don't want anyone right. to it's think... it's reality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want anyone to think that they're going to go into a hospital and not get good care because the staff is worn down. But the staff is worn down. Yesterday, while I was in a room for about three hours working on a guy who's in his mid-30s, who I'm not sure is going to survive... Um, and I, I know that he has small children at home and I, I'm saying as you know, I'm occasionally looking out, has anyone notified the family? Has anyone notified the family? And I'm getting nods and yes, and we're talking behind our mask. And I thought that doctor must be so tired of calling 30 year old spouses to say, we're not sure your, your loved one, your husband or your wife's going to make it. He must be exhausted. I mean, Mm. you know, that's not our normal world. We treat people, not everybody lives. But we treat people, and it's not that so many people die. And so the wind is out of our sails. We're exhausted. We thought we were independents from it, and not only are we not, we are in chains, essentially, yes. yeah, to it, I it agree. seems like. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty exhausted. The numbers are astronomical. Um, the numbers across the state are astronomical. 
uh, we're the highest in the nation right now, right? It's Louisiana. yes, our cases. I think on one of the websites of another hospital, over seven hundred percent increase. Yeah, um, over seven hundred percent. Seven hundred. Seven hundred percent increase in COVID patients, um, and I think this is true. You know, I am. I'm certainly not speaking for my hospital. Um, but for hospitals across state, uh, there's not anybody that works at one that would disagree. Um, every hospital is full and maxed out and overmaxed. Then you're also short-staffed. You've got staff that's out sick. You've got staff that's... There's one girl that works for a mortgage company now. She said, I just can't do it anymore. She's a nurse. She mm-hmm. said, I just can't... I cannot watch this any longer. There are people who took early retirements. I might have could have done it a little bit longer, but I'm, I'm 63 and I'm not going to risk it. You know, if I had my vaccine, I'm not going to risk it. So everybody's short-staffed. Doctors are short-staffed. Nurses are short-staffed. Nurse practitioners are short-staffed. Um, every ER in the city, I think it is true to say, is overflowing and full, holding multiple patients that have been admitted, but we don't have beds to put them in. Multiple patients in the waiting rooms, waiting to be seen, Ambulances pulling up to the hospital, but unable to offload their patients because there's physically nowhere to put them. Lines of ambulances. Lines yeah. of ambulances, and you know, and we're speaking from different healthcare systems. Right, right, right. And then there's a thing in the in the ER world called diversion. Like you can say, okay, we're on diversion. We're not taking ambulance traffic. You could take me if I walked in and said, hey, I need to see a doctor, but we're on diversion to ambulance traffic. Well, once three hospitals in the city go on diversion, then it's called override. Because now you can't all be on diversion. We've got to be, have somewhere to bring ambulances, so you're on override. The situation at each hospital has not changed. We're still totally full with no place to put people, but we got to care for people. we got to love them. we got to do something. So mm. you're using hallways. You're using whatever you can. But after just working at least 12, sometimes 15 hours for the last days and days, um, I was leaving last night, and I see a friend, and they're waiting on a routine admin. And I said, "We're just—it's just really busy. How long is it going to be before we get a bed?" Um, it's going to be a while. It's—it's it's really, really busy right now. I said, "Covid's really busy," and you're trying not to be a Debbie Downer, and you want to know right. their family member is going to get a, a, you know, good care while they're there. And I said, "This Covid's really, really stressing us right now." And she goes, "Yeah, we had it um, last year. Like 24 hours felt better. It's no big deal." And I just wanted to say, let me hold your hand and take you upstairs with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. can tell the the 30-year-old wife who's, you know, doing horrible. Or let me let you go. You know, we have married couples in there that don't know if they'll go home. We have uh, parents and children in there, both on ventilators. Mm-hmm. You know, dads and sons, moms and daughters. We, I mean, we've had everything like that. And yeah. can you imagine being in a room, can't breathe, struggling whether you're on the ventilator or just needing the ventilator and you got a family member in another room who's having the same thing and you're afraid to ask for something because you don't want to take them away from your spouse or your loved one or your daughter in the other room because you know they're taking care of your kid and how many of us would not say go take care of my baby you know pregnant women you know oh you're ble- take care of my baby take care of my baby first and it, it's that's our reality every day right now. Absolutely. Mm. So you pointed to Amy. You do work with pregnant women. And yes. tell us about your experience you've had during the pandemic and where it's at today. Well, you know, initially back in when it, I guess the first wave hit, we did not see it that often. And it was probably because um, 
as far as pregnant hospitalizations with pregnant pregnant women went personally in our practice. And it was probably because uh, everybody was staying in, was masking up, especially when you were pregnant because you didn't know what was going on, what was going to happen. And the ones that we did get and we admitted very few and far between, you know, they would go in isolation rooms and it would run its course. And luckily there wasn't really any severe or bad outcome. Now with this current situation, with this Delta variant, we are seeing probably without being too specific in the last three weeks, four weeks, we have had four to five hospitalizations with COVID. Pregnant women? Pregnant women, COVID positive pregnant women, two of two to three of which went to the ICU. Um, luckily, outcomes were good. However, it is proven when pregnant women get COVID, they have more severe illness than a, a non-pregnant woman. These women don't have any other health issues. Um, they're not diabetic. They're healthy women, all of them under the age of 30 as well, you know, different stages of pregnancy, but they get sick. And it seems like we're seeing them sicker with this variant. So let's speak to that real quick, to somebody that's heard the term or doesn't really know, aren't medical officials, what is the Delta variant that you can sum up in layman's terms? Why is it such a big deal? Okay, so let me try to sum it up the best that I can. So when you're thinking of the COVID, and please, you help me. Tag team, yes. (laughs) We'll tag team this together. When you think of the actual coronavirus, they they call it the coronavirus because of the spikes. So if you're looking at the virus in an artistic sketched out, it looks like a little round ball with spikes coming off of it. And when they're talking about how they make the vaccine, they actually pull what's called um, some genetic uh, data off of that virus itself. You know, mRNA or RNA and DNA is what you think about. I remember that in high school. In high school, right? (laughs) When you think about all those little scientific terms. Um, So they take a little bit of messenger RNA from the spike of that protein. And that's where they're getting that genetic material to teach our bodies how to make a an antibody against that spike protein. That's okay? pretty revolutionary science, right? Wasn't it is. The first major vaccine to do that? The first major vaccine to do it. However, it's not, it, you know, they've been looking at it since probably the 1990s or so. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just the beginning of how vaccines are going to, I mean, this is, this is emerging scientific, I mean, great data, because I think it's going to be the beginning of a lot of good things to come. Because it works better, right? It works better. Um, and so, and there have been other therapies or other treatments using mRNA. It's not yes. just not in the vaccine world, right? Okay. Oh no, and they've and, and and oddly enough, um, in my reading, they've actually been using it. And I'm not comparing us to animals, but veterinary medicine uses a lot of different, you know, vaccines and things using that mRNA. I mean, huh. it's it's pretty revolutionary. Um, so when you're looking at and you're talking about the different variants, viruses are very smart. They mutate all the time. So they're, you know, they're learning what we learn and they learn how to try to evolve and pass that. So the different variants have to do with the different types of spike proteins. And I read an article off the CDC and it was saying, think about a tree with branches. You know, a tree grows and it grows branches, but not all the branches are the same because they change. And that's kind of how we think about the spike proteins off of the virus, the coronavirus, and this is my best description. This in is layman great. Terms. Please know, so, dumb it down. For <laughs> this is what I'm trying to, um, and, and it's for my understanding as well. Um, so that's where the variant comes. Those little spike proteins are learning to change, and there's, I believe, right now there's alpha, gamma, um, beta, and now the delta variant. 
But the thing with the Delta variant, it's they're they're seeing that it's spread a whole lot quicker, a whole lot easier uh, among the population of people. I mean, just as easy as the chickenpox or common cold. So that's what's scary about it is it's just so rapidly spread, and it's and we're getting you know that in combination with the fact that we're getting in closer proximity with each other. Um, everybody's at the on the beach. viral load is yes so and yes. And that's and that's where you know that's that's part of why it's becoming so rampant. Yeah. And I was thinking back, I was looking at a um, a report off the I think it was the National Institute Institute of Health, um, looking at the graphs. And if you look at the graphs, and you remember how those graphs look, it would show the bar graphs of people, the amount of people sick and in the hospital. I mean, those graphs are looking like they did back in February of 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like, am I looking at the graph from July of 2021, or am I looking back at the bar graph? From a year and a half ago, so. So what does viral load mean? You already said that, and then Robin, we'll go back. You said the viral load. Um, <laughs> dumb it down for us. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> like if, if um, you know, in the, in the most simple terms, if people got a case of the flu, and you, oh, I got a light case of the flu, and you got a really bad case of the flu, the viral load from the Delta variant is so high that. Very and, and I've heard, you know, I've seen this. I've seen this in my own personal family in the last month where six of us, I've worked 18 months in the middle of COVID central and didn't get it. And in the last, um, I, I've been back at work two weeks. Our family, six members of my family all got it at the same time. And I mean, when we got it, I had a sister who had it last year. She got in, it was a couple of days, not feeling good, a headache, a little temp, I'm okay. She thought, you know, I'm healthy, I'm athletic, I'm slender. This is going to be fine. If I get it again, it'll be like it was last time. I, I'm really am a little hesitant on that vaccine thing because I just don't think I want to do it. Um, well, she got it this time and wound up at the hospital and just literally held onto her husband's hands, afraid she couldn't breathe, on home oxygen, all the medicines, saying I, that's the closest in my life I've ever felt like I was going to die because the viral load being so much heavier, so much mm-hmm. worse for the average patient. And the... Um, the you know, whereas you, a few people that are exposed might get it. Now the exposure is the people that are, when you have such a huge viral load, you know, like, have you ever watched those movies where... Uh, now we're getting to where I can understand. I was All saying, right, keep yeah, going. I, was <laughs> I saw you Sci-fi movie. <laughs> I can't, there's one I can't think of. It was Radiation. It was a great movie. And there was Radiation on the bottom of this, in the submarine. And the guy that t- was the sacrificial lamb, and he went back in there. And they, he knew when he went to resolve this nuclear submarine problem and all the the... Hunt for Red October? That's the only submarine movie I can think of. No. Sean Connery? Uh, no, but right. it's... It'll, if my husband here, he'd know right in New York Second. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's why he's a minister. Um, he's got those things. <laughs> got to um, have the analogies. Got to have the analogies. Um, but in that, there were people who would get the little red spots on them because they got the radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, from Chernobyl. Those, uh, I don't know if you watched that documentary. Yes. It's kind of... Incredible. Okay, these people got the little thing. This guy, when he went down there, it was instant death. He knew it was... Because his his load was going to be... Not his viral load, but radiation. his exposure, of how much he was getting. Yeah. Well, this Delta variant is so profound that people aren't getting a tap sick. They're getting profoundly sick. And um, I even was talking to some friends. I have a lot of friends in education. And they said, you know, last year, most of the kids that missed school missed it because mom or dad had something and they had to quarantine at home and they had their 14 days out. And they said, now kids are getting it and they're in the bed for four days. And, you know, they're, they're maybe not winding up in the hospital, but they're in the bed for four days, sick as a dog, really feeling bad, not going out and playing this summer run 103 temps. Mm-hmm. 
She was like, this yeah. is nothing like last year. And, you know, I had tons of kids that had it. And they still ran around the yard and played. They just had to stay home for 14 days. Now my kid's in bed for four days sick. Would you take a seven-year-old that's now in bed for four days because they feel that bad? And you make them 36 and make them have just had a baby or, you know, take a, Lord forbid, take a 50, 60, 70-year-old. It's, mm. it's dramatically yeah. different because that viral load, the amount... Um, how strong it is. Yeah. So much yeah. Well, let me, um, Amy, you mentioned a couple of resources, the CDC, National Institute of Health. And as you probably are all well aware, there's been a lot of what people want to say, misinformation from the CDC because they've recommended masks. And then once you got the vaccine, you don't need it. Well, now you need it again. And so a lot of people are saying, well, they just can't be trusted. Can you explain a little bit how science works right. and and that maybe it's not, I mean, maybe it is, Mr. Maybe they're, you know, I'm not saying the CDC is absolutely correct, but how do you know who to trust? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I think like anybody, I mean, we're learning about the, co the coronavirus mm -hmm. every day. I mean, yes, it's been around since the 1960s, but this is a different breed, basically. Mm -hmm. Um those people who are part of those organizations, the CDC, the National Institute, National Institute of Health, um, in medicine, we have what we call professional organizations. You know, critical care doctors have certain organizations. Um, in in OBGYN, we have certain organizations. Ours is ACOG, that are comprised of professional. There's a lot of acronyms out there. Yes, I, I know, I know, and that's why you have to say the acronyms right. because otherwise you go on and on. But. Um, they they are comprised of scientists, um, doctors, nurses, you know, people who are professionals that are in it with us. I mean, we're all learning every day. This is something, these are treading new waters we don't know. So as we learn, you know, the CDC is not giving you false information. They're just giving you the best information of mm -hmm. what they know at that time. And thank goodness, as we learn, they say, okay. Let's not stick with that because that's not working. We need to do this. So it's it's information that changes every day. Yes, things are going to change. It's not going to stay the same because they're, I mean, it, we're all learning. The virus learning. doesn't stay the, the same. The virus does not <laughs> stay the same. Why wouldn't you think right. it would stay the same? The virus is mutating constantly, as all viruses do. But so you have to just pick your resources. And I know there's differing opinions and things like that, but... For right now, I mean, there is, when when these people, these agencies, these professional organizations are putting out information, it is evidence-based information on the evidence that we have right now at this time, but we're always trying to learn a new and better way to, to get this pandemic mm -hmm. under control. So, yes, the recommendations will change. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so... Yes, if right now they're saying yesterday they didn't say we need a mask, but today we do. Well, that's because we looked at yesterday's numbers and they're increasing. And we know the best thing we can do today is wear a mask, get vaccinated, you know. So you have to you have to do your research. I mean, not everything that you search on Google or WebMD is going to be true. Wait, mm. what? Or the Facebook, <laughs> the Facebook the school Facebook, of medicine. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, or TikTok. Yes. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. Oh my gosh. So there is professionals that we're looking, I have my papers because I am studying this every day, trying to figure it out, trying to give 
the most current information to my patients so they can make decisions that are smart decisions. Our goal is not to let the government win or whatever. Our goal is to keep our society healthy, our parents healthy, our friends healthy. I mean, we, this is horrible for us as healthcare professionals to see mm. people sick from something that they don't have to be sick with. So talking to those patients just while we're on that, have you had patients come in and say that they don't trust the things you're saying or they don't want to listen or, again, I don't want to get into specifics of that, but have you experienced where people come in thinking they know better and they have those things that they know and you've been able to help talk to them and change their mind maybe? Well, that's always the hope. Um, yes, of course. I mean, we're human. We have our own opinions on things, but I do try to educate patients based on scientific information that I do look at at least once a day, if not more. I mean, you know, we're all, I think, pretty saturated in it. And I yes. want to know more for the safety of myself, my family, my patients. I tried to explain to them, you know, when I asked them, what is their um, hesitancy of maybe getting the vaccine or what do they know? And I try to give them actual information. So, if they, per, you know, if they give me a question or, or if they have but I, maybe a theory on why they don't want to do something or what they're maybe uh, trying to always choose my words <laughs> sure. nicely, um, why they aren't doing something, I try yeah. to say, okay, well, here's what we know. So let's do that. Let's role play. Okay. Patient comes in mid-20s. They want to get pregnant. They're married. They're worried they're not going to get the vaccine. What's something you would say to them? Okay, so I always say the biggest thing that I've heard lately is the infertility issue. Yeah. So we're worried about, they're worried about infertility. We've this heard, is free consultation. I'm sorry you yes. won't get a bill for this. But yes, no, no, this, do this free. Everybody listening, send this to somebody. And we are worried respect. about your fertility. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. If you want to have a little baby. I have two little girls right now. I'm just. Good. <laughs> that's about, a, that's, that's a good, that's a good number. Two girls, yes. they, otherwise they outnumber the parents. But it's but, funny you say that. Actually, I did have someone ask about, would it affect men's fertility too? So I've not heard anything about the men's fertility. The theory behind the whole fertility with women, and, and I'm going to try to, uh, you know, kind of explain it the best way that I can. But the, the short answer is it does not affect a female fertility. Okay. And early on in the research, what they uh, were thinking, and I, and I don't know exactly who pulled all the information out, but the spike protein on the COVID virus, like we were talking on, on the coronavirus, like we were talking about, the spike protein, there is a similar protein that is found in an embryo. Okay, so not getting too scientific here. Sure. You know, fertilization. If I can an track, embryo. I feel like, yeah, most people. Yeah. If you lose me, then I'm going <laughs> to say something, but I'm tracking. So they, there was thinking that there was a similar protein on an embryo that was also found on the coronavirus. Okay. And they being, was it, do you know any, was it the government ever said this with CDC? It just, it just appeared. Yeah, it just appeared. I'm not sure where the sure, source of no that. But no credible source that you know of. No credible source that I this know of. This just got thrown out into the universe. Right. But the information that debunked the theory is from a credible resource. It's from the Journal of Fertility and Sterility, which is a journal of um, research articles through infertility physicians nationwide. It's used the, uh, like the Society of Reproductive Medicine uses this article or uses this journal for information. Got it. And can I jump in there really quick yes. and say, when you talk about these journal articles, they're usually, I've 
learned a lot lately with having a daughter going through medical school, but on yes. peer-reviewed yes. studies. So it's not just one person's theory. Right. They have taken experts, uh, you know, across, across the, board. the board. Yes. Had that's, them review it. That's a so this is, fantastic point. Okay. Yes. Their peer review, which means a number of doctors, uh, scientists, PhDs, people who study this stuff lifelong, get together, review this information, and then they put the best evidence together and write an article or information and that... it's not rushed. No, it is not rushed. Okay. And it's it's what they base guidelines on. I mean, what what we base our care on. So within this journal article, and like I was saying, they thought there was a similar protein that was found in an embryo and within the coronavirus itself... They thought, well, if you get vaccinated and you build up an antibody against this protein of the coronavirus, well, then that also affects the protein of an embryo, which could cause, you know, loss of a baby, sterility. But with that being said, before we even get to the theories being debunked, it doesn't matter if you had vaccinated immunity or if you had natural illness immunity, if their theory was correct that the antibody attacked that protein, then it doesn't matter if it was the vaccine that gave you the immunity or the illness, the natural illness that gave you the immunity. So when people say that the vaccine causes miscarriage or infertility, it wouldn't be just the vaccine if that theory held true because it would be natural, the, if, the antibody if you building. you COVID. Right. You could say the same thing. Well, now I'm I'm going to be infertile. Right. Now I'm going to be infertile because I have okay. I have an antibody against it. So it wouldn't matter if it was vaccine or natural illness. However, the theory has been completely debunked. So they went on and they studied embryos, animal embryos. You know, they everything they do in science, they don't use humans. They use animals. And they found out that was not true. So the natural, the antibody from the natural illness or from the vaccine does not cause infertility or sterility or miscarriage. I have seen pregnant patients who've had the COVID virus early on, February, March. I have seen pregnant patients after the vaccine pregnant. So I know for a fact that these people did not get sterile. They're pregnant and have had some of them since it's been so long, March of 2020 or April of 2020, have had deliveries of healthy pregnancies, healthy babies. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously we can't speak for the whole country. We don't right. have everything. But from your personal experience that you see in your practice that you have given your life to this, right. you would recommend somebody that wants to get pregnant to get the vaccine, no problem. Absolutely. I mean, and, without and a doubt. peer-reviewed journal articles and everything else are not using a sample size of the 50 patients she sees right. in the office. Right. right. They're using sample sizes of thousands. 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 The best information there is, right? Right. Because it doesn't mean anything to us if... Uh, we had three patients, and one was not able to have children. We have a 33% infertility rate. Right. Well, no, that's not true. Now we, let's look at a group Sample of size, yeah. thousands, and then it's much more applicable to the general. Mm -hmm. I think right. sometimes that's where some of the misinformation is. Well, I had a cousin once. <laughs> I got this question today. I got a cousin who had the vaccine, and they were magnetized. You can put a magnet up next to their arm, and it holds it on there. What? Yeah. I mean, literally. And so, it, when when you have data like that, when you have, it's it's not just five people that have been, right. you know, right. it's not that she's had three healthy deliveries, right? 
I just think about the idea of peer review is any doctor can go and be a talking head on a TV show and say something. But (laughs) this is a process that is worked through to try to get the best information to help people. Yeah. These aren't just people who said, oh, I've got a Ph.D. These are these are physicians who've been in practice, who have seen things, who research the data. I mean, it's it's what every every you know, specialty of medicine bases their care on what antibiotics to give you for a sinus infection or, I mean, it it could be broadened to anything. So that's how we as healthcare providers come up with our decision making is based on research. Then, you know, physicians, healthcare providers review that research and then come up with guidelines. And that's what we follow. And once again, they are ever changing, thank goodness, because you know, we, we want to get better. Yeah. In theory, they're yes. trying to learn and get yes. better. That's why it Absolutely. Changes. Absolutely. So, so let's stick with our hypothetical person wanting to get pregnant. So you go through and they say, okay, that's fine. But I, I just still don't know. It's not worth the risk. What if something bad happens? I'm just not going to get the vaccine. What or would you the say? Long, I just oh, don't yeah. understand the, the long-term, long-term risk. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I always try to explain what you got to remember about the vaccine. And, and Robin and I were talking about this earlier. Um, when you get the vaccine and you're getting those particles of DNA and they inject it into your arm, those little particles of DNA don't just, oh, the, you know, like you could imagine, they just get in your vessels <laughs> and go through your body. It's it's just a local injection. So your antibodies go or your, you know, your soldiers, your fighters go up there and they say, okay, this is this is a kind of an unusual thing. I'm going to start to create some fighters against that. So someone of my generation, yeah, might like to see the movie Osmosis Jones. Uh, you know, I've not seen it, but I'm not of your generation. <laughs> it's an animated cartoon movie where he's a white blood cell. So that's what I oh, picture. Oh, that's oh, cool. Okay. Yes. I have to uh, I think Chris that. Rock's the voice. <laughs> that would be very interesting. Uh, yeah, probably not accurate at all. That's, that's the visual image I have of little Chris Rock animated white blood cell. That's awesome. There you go. That's awesome. But um, so when those little particles of DNA are injected into the arm and your body recognizes that it's foreign material because that's not an RNA that your body sees, then it starts to make the antibodies, the soldier fighters. Well, once that's been in there, those that vaccine breaks down and it's eliminated. So it's not like that vaccine stays in there. Making you magnetic. Making you <laughs> magnetic. Uh, you know, yeah, whatever crazy thought. It's not a microchip. You know, it's, it's not anything like that. So your body learns to, you know, make those antibodies against it. Um, it, it, just, it cracks me up just to think about some of the things that people say about it, but... Um, so once you get it and, and you b- build those antibodies, it does take, you know, depending on what vaccine you get, it does take a few weeks to, to build up some immunity. But for pregnant women or women who are considering getting pregnant, we do know that the, that the vaccine does lessen the symptoms or lessen, even if you were to get the actual COVID-19 or, or the Delta variant, it does lessen the symptoms of it. But for a pregnant woman, I want to say, if you don't get vaccinated, the risk of you being on a ventilator or you having long-term effects, I still have patients who were COVID-19 positive who were hospitalized, maybe didn't go to the ICU, but were in the hospital for 10 days, who are still having to monitor their O2s, who are still having to wear oxygen, when if they would have got the vaccine, they probably would not have been in that predicament. And probably is a good word just to throw that up. Right, right. It's not 100%. Right. And some people say, well, look, people are getting it now. There's breakthrough cases. I don't even need it anyway. Yeah, and and that's totally not true. And, I mean, there are breakthrough cases, but your your risk of, uh, like, your severity of your illness is going to be 
way less. I mean, you probably could even speak to that more than I can, but... Very much so. Um, I think statewide, there's about... A, uh, I'm going to give an exact number. We had some numbers from our hospital. But you statewide. have the actual numbers. Most people don't, but you know them. You don't have to give specifics. But right. in general, you are tracking this. It is part of your job. Um, but they are uh, statewide, 10 to 11 percent of of people that are, about, you know, 10 to 11 percent of inpatients could possibly be vaccinated. If we have 20 people in with COVID, maybe at this point now with this Delta variant, which has the truth of the matter is to say that as viruses mutate and viruses change, just like the flu vaccine, some years we just hit it on the spot and hardly yeah. anybody gets the flu. Other years, lots of people get the flu and lots of people get vaccines, but they get the flu. Maybe hopefully it'll lessen it sometimes. Viruses mutate and change. We know this is going to mutate and change. Mm -hmm. So we had great efficacy with the Pfizer, Moderna, J&J vaccines for a while. Then you have this little variant that comes through. Okay, well, the efficacy, efficacy is somewhat decreased. So, so maybe, we go back to that real quick. Just let me pause you. Mm -hmm. So talk about the efficacy because a typical vaccine, what was the efficacy rate before? I know it's hard to go across boards, but... I thought it was in the 96 to 97% yes. range. Of yeah. And I I'll, I think I can speak to Pfizer better. That's just what I had. Sure. Um, I think it was 96 to 97% Which Pfizer. is incredibly high for a vaccine. Right? Yes. Yeah, you tell me that out of 100 times that I'm exposed... Only three could yeah. I possibly get it? Ninety-seven times I'm protected. Yes, sign because a me up. Good vaccine would be sixty to seventy. Is that right? Before my understanding. Yeah, I, I just and it varies depending. Varies, on the and yeah. like she was saying with the flu vaccine, you know, it just. And I thought that's that's a great point because people always, I'm like, we don't get the same flu vaccines, the same typing every year, people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just because it's different it says flu shot yeah, when you go to does, Target doesn't I mean, mean so it's the we're same always thing. Right. again with that we're always changing. But yes, every time I take acetaminophen, Tylenol. Uh, 500 milligram tablet. It's the same Tylenol, also Green. known as acetaminophen, mm -hmm. 500 milligram tablet. The flu vaccine changes. They're trying to make sure that it, they try to make their best judgment as because to what's going to viral. Yes. What it's going to be this year because it's a virus and viruses change and mutate to try to survive and 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 become more potent and powerful. So the coronavirus is a virus it's going to do the same thing so now that we have some of these variants they're saying some of the efficacy the latest things i've heard are around 67 68 percent efficacy off of some of them at some times so that's that you might get it and so i can speak very personally from this because i was one of the early breakthrough cases how i can work for 18 months with COVID every day but my mother became sick and um so i went to take care of her i told my sisters don't worry i have the va it felt bulletproof. I've got mom, you know, <laughs> um, I'll be there to take care of her. And I, I wore my mask and I still took care of her. Um, but there are times I may have not had my mask on once I got her tucked in over here and you're just, you know, wear my mask all day at work, come home, take care of her and everything. Sure. Or I say, take care of her. She's just older, you know, she's, yeah. she needs I was yeah. way more concerned for her at her Absolutely. age. She and I both had Pfizer. Uh, I had four other family members that did not have any vaccine. My mother and I did the best of all six of us. And this was within the last two to three weeks. I've been back at work two weeks. Um, the other four are all younger, much younger. They're all children or children or grandchildren of my mother. Um, they are all relatively healthy. No one is overweight. No one has any comorbidities. Nobody really takes anything more than about a Tylenol or an Advil. They've worked in the yard a lot. You know, they, one of them walks five miles a day. They're all very healthy. My mother and I did fairly well. Um, I just stayed at her house with her and we quarantined like we were supposed to. The other four, one wound up, I mean, young, healthy, athletic guy, uh, wound up in our infectious disease unit for a week. Um, 
on oxygen, getting all the treatments and everything that we could get. And to he was other. not vaccinated. He was not vaccinated. Yeah. So the four that were not vaccinated, one is a healthy, athletic teenager. She was in the bed feeling really bad for three or four days. My um, younger sister, temperatures 101, 102, almost bumping 103 at times for 10 to 14 days. Mm-hmm. Felt She said it was awful. My other little sister... Um, healthy, athletic, no other comorbidities. Had COVID in the past, didn't think it would be so bad. I had that little 24-hour bug last year. It's not going to be bad. This time, uh, in the middle of the night, I get a phone call from her husband, who's a healthcare provider, saying she's laying on her stomach with her oxygen on, all the meds are in, and she can't breathe. She won't let me let her go. She thinks she's fixing to die. It's really bad. She said, I, I, wouldn't, I don't feel like I would survive a third round. She'll get the vaccine. She, she said, I just discounted it. I thought I was young and healthy. I had it once before. It's not going to be that bad. There's no reason for me to get it now. And she said, there's just no way. She's she's like, she should be the COVID vaccine champion mm-hmm, for the right. region mm-hmm. um, because now they're seeing this different. And it's mutated a little bit. It's a little bit different. So can you still get COVID with a vaccine? Yes. And it doesn't mean the vaccine didn't work. Mm. Will it most probably? It's a I mean, number. It's a odds. You're playing the odds. Absolutely. And so... The people that are getting COVID that are breakthrough cases, you know, immediately they send my stuff to the state and everything else, see the variant status, et cetera. The people that are getting it are not getting as sick. They're not our patients in the unit on ventilators where we're doing CPR and we have you maxed on every drug and every therapy that we can possibly do. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to you. I mean, in your experience, most of your ventilated patients have not had the vaccination. Absolutely. And and that's what's... They're not the ones dying. The people with the vaccine... uh, less than 10%, around 10%, maybe if they get sick enough to, maybe they have to have some oxygen or maybe they need some room to severe so they get put in the hospital mm-hmm. for that for a little bit. Maybe less than 10%. Um, very, very few of them are dying. Right. I mean, I say very few. I think like maybe one in the state yesterday or something like that, according to the numbers. The rest that are dying are We're unvaccinated. Unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the little man that looks up at me yesterday, little man, Young guy, right? Like my child's age, <laughs> looks up at me through his mask that's you know sealed on his face so tightly and trying to say something and it's hard to hear because you're trying to just force air into their lungs to get them all the oxygen they can. And he looks up at me and I just was asking, I don't even know what we were talking about. I was like, where are you from? And just trying to give him some comfort. And he says, I'm sorry I didn't get the shot. And it kind of surprised me. I was like, you're, you're sorry what? And I thought I didn't hear right. He said, I'm sorry I didn't get the shot. And I said, the vaccine? And he said, yeah, I didn't know. I just didn't know it was going to be this bad. Mm. And, you know, I there is there is no shame for him. I told him, you know, we are all sinners. We all do things wrong every day. We all make choices, whether it's a sin or not. We all make choices. He made a choice not to get it, and he's apologizing to me. And I said, it's okay. We're working on getting you well now. You can tell your family that you didn't realize this. You can be an advocate for that for them. But... Don't, and I, I'm feeling so sorry for him looking at me going, I'm sorry I didn't get it, as if he needed to apologize to me. I just hated it for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, part of that see. story you sharing that too makes me feel better, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone in your family, but if you are telling your family they're not listening, it makes me feel better that other people that we talk to aren't listening because you have that firsthand experience. You're doing that, and it is divisive, and it's people, somebody said, well, now Simple Church is getting political, that we're mixing mm-hmm. church and state and doing this because we're trying to help vaccines and doing that. And Robin, I think you say something to that, and then we could probably talk for another couple hours, and I would like yeah, that, but we're going to get close to wrapping up. Yeah, but as no, far as I, I mean, in, solving in going problems, the, yeah, solving about. problems that way, but, you know, I've 
I've had people, I know, Sherry, you and I have talked of, you know, some of the pushback is that, you know, I'm I'm not going to trust in the vaccine. I'm going to trust in God to protect me. And they've told me certain scriptures. Um, in your experience or what are you, you know, what would you say to, to somebody if they you know, asked you that question? Because if they missed it earlier, you're a pastor's wife. Yes. <laughs> you are very involved in the church. I'm supposed to say all the right things. Oh, uh, rarely do. <laughs> Just throw that out. I'm sure there's date. My husband's probably at home praying right now. Lord, make her mute. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, and, and I thought about that with when I went to Indonesia after the Indian Ocean tsunami to do a medical disaster relief trips, I went for a total of four trips for um, eight weeks. Um, and I remember I had to have 17 vaccinations because I was going into mm. very, very rough area. And I can I had little girls, I mean, little girls. And of course, I had a pastor that very altruistically looked at me and said, but if you die, you're dying telling the people about Jesus. Well, I'll sleep well with that little comment. I appreciate that from you. Would someone take care of my children? So I remember the 17 vaccines, and I remember looking at my husband saying, I don't even know what I'm putting in my body. Right. But what's it worth for me to be able to share Christ with somebody else, to do good for somebody else, for someone who will never repay me, who there's no financial gain, there's no political agenda. Honestly, these people live in a radical Islamic fundamentalist community. And why would you put all those things in your body to go help somebody like that? And it was what was recommended on mm-hmm. all by every travel agency, by travel.gov, by everything else to protect me while I was over there. And so I, I did those things. And um, wh- why would I do it just because the government, it's not really a political, as a believer, if the kindest thing I can do for someone is to, the kindest thing I can do for someone is not get them sick, give them a little time. We have people that have, a, a very good friend of mine from my church that came in and, and just literally ministered through his entire COVID course of 100 days. And, and there were decisions for Christ because of him. His daughter gets married tomorrow night, and it'll be probably a little emotional for me. Um, he was able to share Christ throughout his entire hospital stay. My thing is, if I'm not encouraging people to get vaccines, I may never get the opportunity for them to hear the gospel. I'm not even being kind enough to be willing to do what I need to do to share the gospel with them because they may die before that time. And I, and I mean the 30-year-old, the 20-year-olds, the whatevers. Um, as a believer, it's just something I do out of love. As a believer, it's it's what I would do. I, I put those 17 injections into my body, and I'm still fine. That's been, you know, what was that, 2005? To my knowledge, You're I'm not. Great. You're not magnetic. <laughs> yeah, I'm not magnetic. I don't <laughs> stick to metal when I walk by, but I put those 17 injections in my body because it was worth it. Now, now I won't even be like. It's not a Mother Teresa concept. I'm not. I didn't get the COVID vaccine because it allows me to go to foreign countries and share the gospel. Probably half of it was so I go to foreign country on vacation. But the other part is <laughs> because I'm around it so much. And if it allows me the opportunity to keep people healthy, yeah. you know, my daughter, I have two daughters. One's a high school teacher. She got the vaccine early. She's not married. My husband has it. Our staff has it at our church. I think most of them have it. Um, but I have another daughter who had just had her second anniversary, really hesitant, didn't want to have it. Um, Mom, what if I get pregnant? What if I want to have a baby? All those kind of things. Um, after this last two or three weeks, Monday, they were actually, it was Tuesday, they were leaving to go on a little anniversary trip, and she sent me a picture, um, she sent me a picture of 
her vaccination card just out of the blue. I was at work and all of a sudden I get a text from her. It's a picture of her vaccination card and she got her first vaccine. And she said, mom, I'm sitting here in the CVS parking lot crying because I realize I've been selfish and I've just been worried about myself and what, not other people. And I'm, I've worried. I know there's all the data out there that tells me I'm going to be okay. Ultimately, I know God's still in charge. He orders my steps. He knows my days. Mm-hmm. He knows if I'm going to get sick, how sick I'm going to be. He knows who I'm going to interact with. But I've selfishly been trying to protect myself and not looking at what I should be realistically. So if the kindest thing I can do or the best do-good thing I can do for anyone else is to give them the comfort of being around me where we can have Christ-centered conversations and I can be an encouragement, then it's worth it. Mm. So I wanted you to know I got my vaccine. And, I mean, it wasn't a shame, and I said, you're my daughter. You know the information. You're a smart girl. You do what you need to do. And I'll tell you, honestly, at the very beginning when vaccines came out, I kind of told her, why don't you hold up just a little bit? Mm. Let's just make sure everything's okay. That's good yeah. to hear that. Yeah. yeah, I did. I mean, you know, I think everybody's human. They, yeah. you know, but as we read the research and read the data, we know it's okay. You know? Yeah. Because we're, when it's, when, what about the government? The government, a lot of those people are getting their own vaccines. They're not saying, hey, you sheeple out there, <laughs> you get the vaccine uh, and we're not going to get it. Right. You know, Donald Trump got the vaccine. Yep. It's not political. I do not ask when people are admitted into our ICU through those masks that they can hardly, you can hardly hear through. And I'm saying, we're going to get you breathing easier. It's okay. I'll stay right here with you and hold your hand. My next question is not, are you Democrat, Republican, right. Independent? Who's your insurance? Who's going to make money off of this? Right. It's not. It's a human Human being made in the image of Christ who I want to help. Right. And that's all it is. That doesn't sound like a deep state agent to me that no. you're trying to manipulate people and trying to get no, them to do there's, it. And there is no you get mani- kickbacks. And- there, there is no manipulation. <laughs> there is nothing like that. There's no agenda? There is no agenda. We we just want our we want people to stay well. There's it's like we are so helpless as healthcare providers because we know there's a way and people won't do it. And we're just like, if you would please, if you take this vaccine, there's no long term effects. We know the long term effects of COVID. I mean, twenty year Two-year-olds are still dealing with a COVID long-term effects of the actual virus. Virus. Yes. And, and, you know, people are always worried about, well, this vaccine wasn't FDA approved. FDA approval takes 10 years. We do not have 10 years. But it doesn't mean that it wasn't rigorously studied. They poured, they released it under what's called emergency usage authorization. So they poured all the people, the scientists, the resources, monetary scientists or monetary uh, resources in it to get it out quicker. It has nothing to do with the fact that they just pushed it out. There's probably been more people in this short amount of time that's had the COVID vaccine than other vaccinations that they've done over 10 years' time. It's prehistoric. It I is. I mean, it's something to celebrate that right. they were able to do it so fast right. and find it. And so my point is there's probably been more resources put into that than any other vaccine out there. By two different administrations now. Yes. On both right. sides of the aisle. Yes. Both sides of the aisle. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, not to digress into the first part of our conversation, but even the New York Times posted an article, had an article two days ago. This is a snippet. And the whole thing is about Louisiana and coronavirus here. We made right. national news. Well, <laughs> number one again, number one again. And it's talking about um, misinformation about the vaccines and different mm. things like this. But it says, 
Nowhere is the struggle as urgent as in this pocket of Louisiana, meaning Region 7, Shreveport-Bossier area, oh. specifically speaking of Shreveport-Bossier. Nice. Go team. <laughs> Nowhere is the struggle as urgent as in this pocket of Louisiana, one of the white-hot centers of what has become a two-track pandemic. Only 30% of the more than 500,000 people in the region are fully vaccinated, almost 20 points below the national average. Um, it's one of the five main clusters of unvaccinated people in the United States. And then it says Louisiana ranks near the bottom in vaccination rates nationally and cases are multiplying with the second highest average daily case count per 100,000 people in the entire country. Mm. Awesome. Good news, huh? <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, it, the deal is we don't have to be there. We don't have to be there. Right. No. And it's not... We are not getting a stipend for coming no. here and doing this. My my work. George Soros isn't th- throwing y'all a little money. No, no. Okay. <laughs> my work let me off work to come here to do this to say what we can do. I I drove to work this morning in fear that if my mother were to start having chest pain, she didn't have a place to go. My mother doesn't have COVID. She's right. over COVID. She's doing great. She did great. Right. Her little lady, one fixed but, me a two year old self. Yeah. So you're just saying as the average patient, yeah. if you know, if my husband's in a car accident today. Or yeah. a, a normal, or my loved one has a overwhelmed chest pain. Again. My yeah. my my brother has a stroke. My mom has a heart attack. Um, somebody ruptures a gallbladder. Somebody needs to deliver a right. baby urgently. We're in a bind. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we're in a bind because people think it's government control. The FDA hasn't approved it yet. The so and so, the research is there. Is and you know I know at the end of the day we're not going to convince people. If you, you've decided in your mind. We're an hour in. They've government. listened to this. We hope it helped yeah. and hope somebody. We are going to change it. But we we can just tell you as healthcare providers, implore is a, is a weak word. Implore you to do something because we there's no agenda behind it. No. As there's Christian not. healthcare providers. Right. <laughs> that evangelicals the, yes. are some of the lowest rated of being. Yes. Vaccinated, yes. That. And that's why we're doing this. Right. And that's why Justin is putting it online, honestly, that we talked about it before he left. Yes. Though, there's a risk. There's people that are going to be unhappy and there's people that are going to push back and argue. But as a church, as believers, we care about our community. Absolutely. We're invested in Shreveport Bozier. We don't get any money for this. We're not mm-hmm. doing anything to do it. But we are trying to say we want to help solve a problem, problem. by yeah. people like you that are in the trenches every day that are doing that, not for our own gain, not so Simple Church can take a stand and Justin's going to go run for office and do stuff. That's it's <laughs> the last, the furthest thing from his mind. Right. And as a church, we are all vaccinated as a staff. We believe mm-hmm. in it and we want to help people to try right. to listen that maybe somebody would listen to this silly little podcast. This is probably the most informative it's ever been of anything and try to help to answer questions because y'all gave your time to speak to people. We really do appreciate mm-hmm. that. And yeah, ultimately, God is sovereign. He's sovereign over the vaccine. He's sovereign over who's going to get it. He's sovereign over the disease. He's sovereign over the virus. He's He is sovereign and he knows. But I, do we not believe that God in his sovereignty gives people wisdom to develop right. and make things? Right. Mm. And it's polio eradicated, smallpox eradicated. I'm I mean, speaking come about on. that Sunday. I'm going to talk yes. about polio. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Robin, will yeah. give you one more chance to say something if you want, and then we can. Oh, no. Sign I'm up. just yeah. super Thanks. grateful for Absolutely. these ladies for giving their a very valuable time. And I think that's one of the, my heart. Um, yes, I have a daughter who, who got COVID last September and has struggled with post COVID syndrome. We've been even to the Mayo Clinic, we've been all over. And I don't want anyone Mm-mm. to go through what we have walked through. It's the tormenting. Un- tormenting. Yes. I mean, she even, yeah, she can't even, she still can't go on a vacation. She no. left yesterday and she's exhausted. And 
um, having some symptoms again just from the post-COVID. So, And one more time, how old is she? She's 22. She just graduated college. No underlying health problems. None. Yes. Zero. And so it's, so it's personal to me because I, if I can help be a part of somebody else not having to go through that, that's, it's worth it to me. But for our friends in the healthcare field who are exhausted Mm -hmm. and tired and there's not enough of you, um, I'm just, I really hope you know, and those of you who are listening who are in the medical field know how grateful we are for what you've done and served our community so well, and you keep showing up even when it's so hard. We just, we can't say thank you enough. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you made it through that whole one, it's a little longer than usual, but it was mm-hmm. chock full of goodness, Robin. So good. Oh, I just love those ladies, and I love their heart just to really serve people. They really want to just do good. They're in the trenches day yeah. in, day out, taking care of probably your family members, people you know, mm-hmm. and they are serving our community in a way that most of us will never understand. Right. And so right. we are so thankful for them for their time, and we hope this helped. If you have more questions, if you want to talk to somebody, you can respond in the podcast. You can email us, Evan at thesimplechurch.tv, Robin at thesimplechurch.tv. Mm-hmm. Help to answer questions, do that, and check out and subscribe for more information coming up the next couple of weeks. We have a panel of doctors we're going to yes. be speaking with. Dr. Keith Scott's going to come back on another mm-hmm. episode. So yeah. if this is something that interests you, if you like it, you've already listened this far, please subscribe. Get this in there wherever you listen to podcasts and check out more stuff coming over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Can't wait.